We all think oh, we put our customers number one. Everybody says that. So what do you actually do? Like, what are the things you do that I can point to and say that's part of our process or part of our structure that makes it a better experience than it would be working with Jason than it would be working over there with Mary or Susan? And once we identify those things, then we look at, great, where is there a match? Because there isn't always a match. But if we can say this is where there's a match, then that is where you start with your customer. You don't start by saying we do everything under the moon. We start by saying we do the thing that is causing you the most pain. We relieve that thing or we address that thing or we help you solve or understand that thing. Hey, Feasters, and welcome to episode three of season four of Live in the Feast. The amount of insight and strategy in this episode is mind-blowing. Chris Bentliff joins me as today's co-host talking about how you could fill the gap in a crowded niche market. Chris is founder and owner of Not Really Rocket Science, which is an agency focused on helping businesses bridge the gap between sales and marketing. Hearing him speak about his craft, you know he commands the attention from his leads and clients because he knows what he's talking about. In this episode, we dive deep into how to better understand your clients so that you can fill the gaps even in a crowded market, how to command the expert position with your clients, even if you're an introvert. We dive into some of the ideas on how you can delight your clients in a way that positions you head and shoulders above everyone else. And since he's an automation geek like myself, we do dive deep a little bit into some of the things that we do in that space. Chris is super smart and I know you want to grab a notebook and jot down some of the ideas as he shares them. So let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Feast, the premium online coaching and community designed for web developers, designers, marketers, and freelancers of all type wanting to specialize their business and build recurring revenue that's profitable and sustainable. Today's market is ever-changing and yesterday's advice won't cut it. Feast members get access to the roadmap and training library, which includes everything you need to niche down, build recurring revenue, and become that go-to respected person for your services. That, together with monthly roundup calls, exclusive workshops, expert chit-chats, and our Slack community, you'll have everything you need to live the life of your own design. If you're serious about not competing on price and having clients that respect you and your expertise, then join Feast. Head over to feastcourse.com today. Feasters, today's co-host is Chris Bintliff. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Raz. It's good to be with you. It's great to uh, it's great to be on what is in Wisconsin a rainy late October afternoon. I'm looking forward to a conversation with you. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for being here. Chris is the owner of Not Really Rocket Science, and I love that name, by the way. Thank it's you. It's a digital marketing consultant agency. He helps small and medium-sized businesses bridge the gap between sales and marketing by helping his clients understand their customers in building a marketing engine for them. Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit more about why you do what you do 
I do what I do because uh, I found in my career, there's always a disconnect between what we think is super important, what we think is super interesting, what we think we should be spending our time or energy or resources or money on, and what our customers actually need or want or look for. And in fact, I have a background in digital learning. Before this iteration of my life, in, a, in an earlier version of my career, I would help companies we've all heard of figure out strategies. And sometimes they would come to me and they'd say, all right, we've got a budget of $500,000 and we want to do this, 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 this. And then I would say, okay, why? And everybody in the room would get quiet and say, well, what do you mean why? Why do we think that we should do those five things? And why do we think it's going to cost $500,000? And why do we think that the thing you just outlined is exactly the thing that we should do? And often they didn't have a good response to that. And so then I would kind of help us back up and let's answer some key questions. Let's discuss who these people are. What are they experiencing? What are they struggling with? What are they going through? What is something we can do to help them with that, whatever it is? And in that case, we would do a lot of training like the Best Buy Salesforce on how to sell a TV or whatever. And sometimes the manufacturer would have a whole different perspective with charts and graphs and boring engineering stuff when what those salespeople needed were like, what are the five key words that I need to turn this 10 second exchange into a 30 second exchange into a two minute exchange into, hey, maybe you should buy the thing. So my whole business... My marketing consultancy, my agency is built around helping my clients, helping the companies I work with, helping the, the other freelancers and consultants that I work with think about their customer and work backwards from there and not focus so heavily on we do this and push that out because there's often there's often a yawning chasm between those two. And if we don't bridge that, we're not going to we're not going to find success either of us in making those things happen. Mm, yeah, I love that. I try to do this exact same thing, especially with my clients is understanding their buyer journey, right? What are the pain points that brought them to you? And then how do you get them from that pain point to essentially becoming a customer of yours? But we have to understand the customer in order to do that. So how do you help your customers essentially work backwards? So one of the things I do is I we almost start every engagement with what I call a marketing identity, which is a, a total ripoff of Seth Godin, who said, marketing is just knowing your story and who cares, which is beautiful. It takes all the complexity. Marketers are super proud of ourselves. We're super proud of our weird lingo and phrases and content strategy and even calling like something I wrote yesterday or a video that I created content or influencers. So we're super <laughs> proud of like things that aren't necessarily accessible to your customer, to your client, to the person who's going through a thing. So the marketing identity that I put together really helps my customers just identify some of those things. Let's break it down. What are your customers experiencing? What are they trying to achieve? And and the obvious answer there is always, you know, oh, they, they want to solve this business problem. And what I always encourage us to do is, so let's ask why three times. Why do they want to do that? Okay, so why do they want to do that? And it almost always backs up into something like they want more time with their family or they want to be liberated from their nine to five or they want to save face or they want to get a promotion. There's always something more internal going on. If we can just understand that marketing is an emotional currency, right? So mm. if we can just understand what is emotionally driving somebody, we don't need to like exploit it. We don't even need to necessarily leverage it. But if we understand it, then what we can do is start to shape what we do around those kind of emotional levers. And so if we look at what's driving somebody and then what is the pain that they're experiencing getting that thing done? 
What's getting in their way of getting that thing done? And then what are the, the gain creators or the gains that they're looking for that would help them get that thing done? And then we look at, okay, great. So now let's look at what we do. These are the services and products that we do. These are our uh, pain relievers. And then these are our gain creators. And for me, gain creators, this is the stuff we do that's different than anybody else. This is the stuff that's delightful. And we all think that we do that. We all think, oh, we put our customers number one. Everybody says that. So what do you actually do? Like, what are the things you do that I can point to and say that's part of our process or part of our structure that makes it a better experience than it would be working with Jason than it would be working over there with Mary or Susan. And once we identify those things, then we look at, great, where is there a match? Because there isn't always a match. But if we can say this is where there's a match, then that is where you start with your customer. You don't start by saying we do everything under the moon. We start by saying we do the thing that is causing you the most pain. We relieve that thing or we address that thing or we help you solve or understand that thing. So that's how I like to understand or work with with a client. And just before we get into all the so many of us think that marketing is like the Facebook ad or the billboard or the blimp or whatever. And it isn't. First, it's just understanding a story. It's storytelling. And who cares about the story? Not everybody does. So don't worry about those people. Find the people who really care and then find what about your story is really something to care about. And now you've got a great head start on where you want to be with that marketing. Mm, there was a lot there that I want to ask <laughs> ask about for sure. But since this season is all about niching down, yes. right? and you're the listener, you're listening, you, you may be thinking, this is what I want to do. I want to niche down my business. And in the context of this conversation, Chris, you're essentially helping your client specialize because you're telling them, ignore everybody. Let's just talk to that one person. And how do we talk to that person in the best way possible? Correct. Yes. And I love that resin. Tell me if, if this resonates with you or if you agree with this. I don't know where I heard it or where I saw it, but it's a model that I love, which is when you're designing a product or you're building your website or you're crafting your sell sheet or whatever you got, who's the human being on the other end of that in your head? Who's I call it engagement empathy, which is who's on the other side of the screen? Like I have a prototypical perfect customer for me. And in fact, it is represented by a dude named Roger, a real guy named Roger. I think of Roger whenever I'm writing copy because what he needs is on a different level of sophistication than where like you and I are because we're in this like we get it. So if you and I are talking shop, we're using those words and that lingo and we're crunching through stuff. And, you know, you and I have been on Twitter talking about automation and stuff. Roger doesn't know what automation is at all, but he has a problem and I could solve it with automation. I don't need to get into the weeds with him about that. What do I need to do? What questions do I need to ask? And what words do I need to use that Roger's going to say, I need to have a conversation with this guy. This guy gets it. I don't know how, and I don't even need to know how because I'm too busy. I got other things going on. That's why I'm going to hire this dude. But I need to know that he's on my wavelength, that he gets it. Do you find, Rez, that first, that's just a constant struggle. There's a constant tension between our ability to make that message clear and, and the needs of our audience to hear it. And then do you find that uh, if you can target on that one person, I don't know what you do, that it just kind of crystallizes and clarifies your whole value proposition, your whole approach? 100%. Yeah. It's something that I've worked on and had to learn the hard way because I was very much a generalist when I started my own business. I tried to be everybody to everyone. And until I really niched my business, which at that point I didn't even know I was doing, but until I did... And specialized, I didn't know who I was talking to, what I was doing for them, 
what the solution looked like, what their problems were. I mean, to try to even address that was just like, okay, let me just get on a phone call and you tell me what the problems are and I'll tell you if I can solve them. But now I know who I work with on my services side of the business and as well as the freelancers, right? Like it's funny, you, you have Roger from freelancers, those that want to go back to episode one of season one, they'll learn about Fred, right? That's awesome. Because for me, if you know that person, you know who you're solving that problem for and you do it well, you become referable because when you, somebody mentions that problem, they're going to say, oh yeah, Jason or Chris, or the, they can know exactly where to point the person to. Now, when I talk to my services clients, you know, I say, I work with established online businesses and I had somebody come through today. In fact, a lead come through that they're doing a rebranding of their website and their company and everything else. And they said, okay, I'm not sure I'm the right guy for you just yet, right? This is this is me saying no to this client, right? They're willing, they're ready, they're willing to pay, they're ready to go. But I can't help them if they don't have the pieces of the puzzle in place before they get to me. And I simply just said in an email, I said, look, I'm not sure if I'm really, if you're really ready for me, maybe once you have that new design, that rebrand and everything is all set, then we can have the conversation about what I can do for you. And it's hard. It's hard to do. It's hard to really, one, I think it's hard to figure out who it is that you're solving a problem for. But two, once you do, it's hard to not fall back into bad habits. And I think a lot of people do. They're like, okay, well, this person's ready to go, you know, $5,000, $10,000, $20,000. They're ready. They got the budget, everything. They're not really a fit anymore, but I want to work. I, I would, I need that. And then let's go. Right. And then the ball just unravels at that point. Now you start falling into bad habits and everything else. And it becomes not such a pleasant experience for you and the client niching down, figuring out who you serving once. And I forget who had said this. Yeah. You know, I've heard a lot of people say this over the years is that, you know, don't, try to solve everyone's problem, just solve someone's problem, right? And yeah, I love that because it's just time and time again, like the one that I said no today, there's going to be somebody that's right tomorrow that comes and that's fine. And they're who I could solve a problem for, they're who I, who I can create a raving fan out of and serve them very well. But how do you, I'm curious, how do you get your clients to come on board with that story? How do you get your clients to say, let's ask the right questions, ask who cares about this stuff? Because I mean, look, I'm a pretty straight shooter. If I said to one of my clients, well, who cares about your stuff? I think they'd probably fall off their chair, but, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's, a, it's a valid question, right? It is. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that I think are, are interesting. And I heard it said recently, and I just love this phrase, uh, survivorship bias. So sometimes I just want to remind our listeners, you hear people on a podcast and you think those people have it all figured out. And as Rez points out, like we still struggle with this stuff. Like we still, you know, I'm still figuring out all the things I need to figure out. And I don't know that I'll ever reach a point where it's like, aha, I get it. Because I don't sell widgets to, you know, pro football teams who need uh, the color red in their uniforms. Like it's not that specific for me. So I'm always still figuring it out. But when I'm working with my clients to answer the question that you had, 
There is a sense of, and I think this is really important for a freelancer, for a consultant, for, for professionals like us. I always go in there believing that in this way, I know more than you do. And it's why you asked me in the room. I don't know much about the thing that you do. I'm not an expert in the thing that you do, whatever it is that you sell or that you do. And so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in your way on that. But you asked me here because I'm pretty good at this. I know this thing. So I'm not gonna be afraid to be really authentic with that. I think if, if you're apologetic about that, if you're like, well, one thing we could consider is you're not gonna command uh, the opportunity. You're not gonna command uh, the direction that your customers, your clients are asking you to relieve for them. Remember that's, the, for you, they have a pain. And part of their pain is we don't know what to do. We've been, we've been floundering, we've been trying to figure this out, we've been struggling with this or that. So you're the person who's gonna come in. I've never found, Rez, I've never found this to be true. I think I'm scanning my mind. You tell me about you. That when I have asserted and said, look, my guidance is, and that's a phrase I use all the time, my guidance is, this is the way we go. I've never found that any pushback there, one, is, is not good, that friction didn't help the work. So that if they say, well, we disagree, let's talk through that, we almost always landed a better place. But I've also never found that that strategy is somehow worse than well, I've got six thoughts. Here are six ways we could do this. Nobody wants your six thoughts. They had six thoughts already. They brought you in because they're tired of having six thoughts. They want one person to drive this thing. So I go in there and I'm not afraid to say, I feel like I have an understanding of this. I feel like I've got a good perspective. I also have some really great ideas. Might be different from where you've been before. That's okay. That's why I'm in the room. My guidance is we do this. And let me talk through why I think we should do this. If I've done my job right, I lay out what is an inevitable plan. And I'm not afraid sometimes to tell them, if I need to convince you of this, it's not the right thing. Either I'm doing my job poorly, or we don't understand this problem well enough and we should go back and examine this, or there's something going on here. And that that gets into your first statement, which is first get in the room with the right people. So you don't wanna get in with the people who are doing the rebranding, because that's not your sweet spot, that's not your strength, and you know that if you get in there, it's gonna get uglier. It's gonna get muddy. You're not gonna offer that clarity and you're not gonna feel strong wherever you are. So yeah, that $20,000 check would feel really good to cash, but in the long run, you're going to spend more time on something like that, kind of figuring out your own stuff. And it's going to be an engagement that doesn't make you happy or fulfilled or nourish your career because you're going to spin your wheel. So the same thing is true for your customer. If you uh, go in there with a perspective that doesn't help provide clarity, you're not contributing to the success. And then, then you're in this weird position where they're unsure if this was the right thing. Maybe they have got some regrets. They've got some second thoughts. Now it's bad news for everybody. So it is a hard thing. You're absolutely right. That's part of why we do the work we do. If we didn't want to do the hard thing, we'd go whatever, punch the clock and cash in and just do the thing that somebody said, here's your stack of stuff to do today. Check those boxes. Awesome. The world is full of people like that and they are necessary. We aren't built of that. We're not cut of that cloth. So I think we got to be able sometimes to go in and be direct and assertive and not a jerk, not weird, mm -hmm. but just be like, look, I'm here to help. And that help means this. It's like, when a doctor diagnoses, they're not apologetic about the diagnostic. They're like, this is the situation. You gotta lose 50 pounds. I'm happy to help you lose 50 pounds, but we got a first level set that we're not gonna have a discussion on if that's a good idea or not. We're not gonna debate. This is a fact, you need to. And let me show you the data. Let me show you the statistics. You gotta be the same way. You gotta be like, look, I've analyzed your business, your problem. This is what I'm seeing. I think if we made this shift, this could be some of what you're seeing. We got to maybe have a little bit of results orientation in there and then have that conversation. Do you agree, Rez? 
hundred percent. I agree. You use the word guidance. I use my experience. I even say it actually in my proposals, right? And then I reiterate it on my onboarding sequence once they become a client that, look, I'm here to be your partner. Yes. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to ask questions. I may ask questions that put you in an uncomfortable spot, but it's only so that we can get to the goals that we set forth. And I say that to them right there in the proposal. They read that. Hopefully they read it, right? Myself, <laughs> you know, it's right there, there. It's again, they see it in the onboarding sequence, the very first email that they get from me about scheduling a kickoff call so that this way they know they're not hiring somebody that's going to be wavery, right? It's like, here, I, I know what I'm good at. You hired me for, I'm the expert. You hired me. Yeah. That's why we're in the room talking together. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think a lot of people though, I mean, I have introverted tendencies, right? Me too. And I think a lot of us that have those tendencies sometimes waver, right? And they're like, oh, they're not as confident or they're not like, if I say that, that might turn the client off. I mean, how did you, how did you get past that? Uh, a couple things. One is I think it's a career maturity thing. I couldn't have done that at 25. I just couldn't. That just wasn't who I was. I hadn't developed emotionally or uh, financially or as a business person. I needed experience in my career to be able to go in and start with small engagements. You know, I have my very first web design company when I was in my early 20s in the early 2000s. And, you know, I was taking $400 gigs because that's what there was out there. And I learned from every one of them. I was doing these tiny little things. It's great. But as you start to build a portfolio and you start to have different experiences, you start to work with different people, you start to move from like working maybe with juniors into middle managers, into management, into executives. You start to learn from all those people if you consider yourself a sponge. And then you reach a point where uh, I think this goes hand in hand with charging too little, right? Like if you're if you're sort of cautious about what you do, you're going to be like, uh, is a thousand dollars OK? And nobody's going to ever say to you, a thousand dollars is great. And it's, uh, you know, they're not. One of the things you got to learn, I think, as a as a as a business person is nobody's going to advocate for you more than you. So if you go in there, uh, is this a good idea? I don't know. Are these four things? What do you think of those ideas? I love to say, how does that resonate with you? Would you like to collaborate on this? I would love to know if you've got an addition to this that would make this better. Like I'm always looking for when I ask for feedback, it's specific. I try to avoid things like, you know, does that sound like a good idea? Instead, it's what would you change? What would you add? Like get specific. These are small points of language that demonstrate leadership. And so if you're in the room with executives, that's how they think. They keep their emails short, right? They keep their responses to things brief. They are busy with a million things. So you got to be the same way. And you got you to bring crystal clear value to the conversations you're having, to the opportunities that you are presented with. And that doesn't happen if you just add another question. Sometimes that's appropriate. I don't want to contradict myself. Questioning and curiosity is essential. I don't mean that. I don't mean that you're the jerk who just always has this opinionated like stance. But when it comes down to why you were hired and what you're good at, and when you're making that case, if you've done all the things you do so that you know you're in the room with the people who are the right mix and the and the right sort of uh, candidate for the work that you do, then you just got to be confident. And that comes with time and comes with experience. But you got you got to be confident in order to say, yeah, my guidance is this. And and then the second thing is something you know, Jeff Bezos says, which is be prepared to disagree but commit. I've had lots of leaders say to me, uh, that's a great idea. We're not prepared to do it yet. 
I'm not going to throw a fit. I'm going to say, great, that's a new business reality. What do you want to do with this then? If we don't do this, it means maybe we shift to here. Now, if it goes way off the rails and it's no longer something I can contribute to, like you like you said, I got to be okay saying, I, I feel like a, a somebody else would be able to, to help you succeed better than I would. But I think you got to be able to, as a pro, adjust and flex, but offer that direction, offer that strategy. That's why they brought you into the room, not to be popular. Imagine like hiring, a, you know, you, you got that diagnostic, you're 50 pounds overweight, you need to work out and you go hire a, a, a personal gym coach. And what they say to you is, I guess I'm really going to let you kind of shape this. I'm just going to let you kind of drive this. I've got like five or six ideas. You don't want that. You want to go in and you want that person to be like, look, here's your workout routine. If you do exactly this, you're going to lose 10 pounds in a month. If you go one bit off of this, you're not. And that's going to be up to you. You're going to like, yes, thank you for the prescription. I'm going to do exactly what you said to make this stupid, easy, foolproof because I got other things going on in my life. Well, if you can bring some of that into your work, look, I got a plan. I'm not just a guy full of ideas. I got a plan too. In my experience, I don't think, I think 100% of the time I get people behind me to say, awesome. Somebody with a plan finally showed up, you know? That's mm-hmm. what you want to be. That's you want you want people to feel relieved. That's what I say when I said earlier that if I have to sort of convince you of something, it's the wrong fit. You should feel relieved by what I just said. If I just said we got to do this, it's going to cost ten grand a month. You should be like, oh yes, best ten grand a month I've ever spent in my life because it's going to get us to wherever. Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we could go on for like hours. But. Yeah, we probably could. <laughs> uh, but to get really into the meat of this, right? I look. Me and you both are automation geeks. We talk about it a lot of times on Twitter. So let's just talk about the elephant in the room. How do you, and for those that are listening to this, if you're not following Chris on Twitter, definitely follow him. He, I mean, some of his insights into what he's building for clients and himself are, are outstanding. Thank you. Well, how do you, Chris, you said earlier, when you're talking to a client, they may not know what automation is, right? And you don't necessarily burden them with all the minutia that it is, and it can be. How do you talk to them and be able to implement what you need to implement for them in a way where they don't feel overwhelmed, dumb, all of the above? I got to show them the finish line. And so I shared on Twitter, even this morning, I was I had a meeting on Monday with a client and I built some automations for her, simple automations so that when somebody goes to her website and downloads something, about a week later, they get an email from her that says, hey, hey, Jason, just just wanted to find out how XYZ tool worked out for you. How did it go? Do you have any questions? Anything I can help with? It's just a very human, organic uh, email, but it is constantly not the thing that people do. If somebody comes to your website and they join your email list or they subscribe to whatever, they download something, we we tend to think mission accomplished. Great. We got the email address. Now let's throw them in our newsletter or let's throw them in our promotion uh, you know, engine or whatever. And what automation lets us do is, is continually touch that person, but also respond to their behaviors. So what I'll do is I'll show them the finish line. I'll say, so look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to build something that is going to reach out to them after they subscribe to this, after they download this thing, it's going to reach out to them. You don't need, you can be on the beach, but it's going to be from you. It's going to ask them if they've got any questions or whatever. So keep an eye on your inbox because you're going to get some responses to that. 
And let's learn from those responses. So that's what was happening here is she was so delighted. She was like, I, I got this, these first few emails and I didn't even know what they were talking about. Cause she like <laughs> forgot, you know, about some of this stuff, which is fine. She's the client. She doesn't need to know the nerdiness of it, but she was like, and then I remembered you set up these automations. So I had all these people coming in with feedback and I know I'm going to do this to the product. I'm going to change this. I was able to get in a conversation with this person and we're really nurturing a much bigger deal than, you know, we had first come into. And that's the whole point is to start the personal relationship, to nurture the relationship. The whole point of automation is to nurture a personal or more relevant or more personalized relationship. It isn't just to send out your newsletter or whatever. So if I can go into uh, an organization or whomever I'm working with and I can say, this is where we want to get to. And then to my client, I can say, awesome. So not only that, but if this person then also visits your pricing page, I'm going to send you a notification and I'm going to say, hey, this person just did these three things. They opened this email, they downloaded this thing and they visited your pricing page. If they didn't take any action, you should get in touch with them because they might not reach out to you, but they might be ready for a phone call. They might be ready for a touch or maybe they did buy the thing. We have some other thing that happens, but always the idea is because the sales focused organizations that I work with, that's kind of one of my sweet spots. One of the constant sort of tensions is uh, how do we nurture a lead? How do we qualify a lead? And then once they become a customer, what do we do then? Automation lets us put a lot of front end work into that, that then we don't need to worry about anymore. And so your reps don't need to worry about it or your stakeholders don't need to worry about it. or We don't need to wonder if it's happening. And maybe that's a single touch or maybe it's 10 touches or maybe then we send them into the promotional or the newsletter thing. But ultimately, we want to be able to engage. And so that's some of the language that I'll use is just look what your customers are used to is they go to a website, they take some action and then that's it. They're just going to get a bunch of promotional emails from you. We have an opportunity to set you apart if we do these five things instead. I'll show them some examples. I'll talk them through that. And I'll say, that's delight, which as you know, is a huge thing with me. If we can delight them, that's that's as I got into earlier. That's one of the things we can do that's different from anybody else. Then that means that the next time they have a conversation with a competitor, they're going to say, yeah, that was cool. That, that person seems to really have their act together. But I love the personal note I got on my birthday from Jason Resnick. That was, I mean, I, you know, that... That means a lot to me. That that really touched me. I'm not going anywhere because Jason Resnick knows when it's my birthday. That kind of stuff is where we want the technology to intersect with humanity to create that opportunity that we have to build and create the relationships. Mm, I love that. Technology intersect with humanity. That's what I try to do too. And you mentioned about the pricing page and things like that. And yeah, I build those kind of, I call them landing page mm -hmm. abandonment. Mm, campaigns. That's right? good. I'm writing that down, stealing that <laughs> landing page abandonment, <laughs> <laughs> which is essentially the same thing as a shopping cart, but it's like for service oriented businesses or coaches or membership websites where people go onto the pricing page, they don't actually buy. Then a couple hours later, they get a nudge, right? I mean, it's just an email that just says, Hey, look, I know you can get distracted. A couple of your cat ran across your keyboard and killed your computer or your phone call, whatever, just wanted to, you know, send you the link again or whatever, right? Like whatever the personality of the brand is to nudge them back. And just in and of themselves, it's just those kind of little human touch points because you can add personality into your brand with those touch points. Like you were saying, like, I might know your birthday, but is it something where I send you some personalized video wishing you happy birthday, right? Like, so you can inject those kind of things into it and you can almost have fun with business in that way. So Chris has this 
amazing course. It's called automatedconsultant.io. And we've talked, he's touched upon it a couple of times now about the light. Chris, I know all about this course and what it can do. Can you describe a little bit about what that is and how it makes the listeners' clients delighted? Yes. Couple things then. So the automated consultant was a product born out of two things. One was my own problem, which was that my onboarding process sucked. So bringing my own clients into my into my universe, whether that was from uh, invoicing to project management to just like getting their address into the or their their name and email into my time tracker, like all these weird little steps. I had this really busy month where I had a, a bunch of new customers and new clients. And when I was doing that at volume, I realized what a mess this was and how if one of my clients came to me and said, I'm struggling with this, I would say, well, that's not sustainable. We got to fix that right away. And so I looked at actually like, OK, maybe I'll hire a VA or, you know, maybe I can bring somebody on who can just do these things. And then I thought, what am I talking about? I'm an automation guy. Uh, let me automate this. So I put together this really sophisticated automation that once somebody fills out a consultation with me on my website, Almost everything else is completely, I don't touch it. All I need to do is have a, a discovery call with them. And then if there's a fit, I need to write a proposal. But every time I push a button or take an action, and every time they take an action, like filling out that Calendly, everything is automated. So they get an email right away that sends them to a really great intake form. And in that intake form, which is a delightful experience in itself, they'll check some of the things that are on their mind. And then the form, it's built in type form. It has a logic to it so that if you say you're interested in apples, but not bananas, you're not going to get a bunch of questions about bananas. You're just going to get questions about apples. But the things that they tell me that they're interested in, I store that away inside of my automation platform, which incidentally is Drip. And then as we're going through our process, every time that they do something, they move through Pipedrive, which is my CRM. And I keep track of different things, but it's all happening without my manual sort of having to manage. And if they if they hit the red accept button on the proposal, then they come right into my uh, existing workflows. They set up a folder in Dropbox. They go into my time tracker. They go into my uh, into Basecamp, into my project management. They go into my my accounting software. There, everything is ready so that I can just focus on the things that I'm good at and not these weird little tasks that are important to a soloist uh, like us, but that don't help our businesses grow. So that's interesting. That's great for me. That helps me. But as you know, and as we've talked about for the last several minutes, I'm always looking for, well, what's in it for my customer? Is there something I can do here that can make this an extension of me, of my brand? Can we amplify something? So I was looking at this process and I, I recognized what is a huge gap. And I, whether you do anything with me or not, I want, I want everybody who's listening to focus on this moment between the proposal or between that conversation, that, that last discussion where it was like, yeah, this is a great idea. Let me write up a proposal for you. And when they receive that proposal is a huge opportunity. It's either an opportunity to be wasted or it's an opportunity to be taken advantage of. Because if you have ever been in any, any kind of buying situation where you're excited about something, maybe it's buying a car, maybe it's it's a purchase of significance, but there is energy and inertia around it. So imagine somebody comes to your website because they think maybe you could help them solve or understand a problem and they pour over your website, they read your blog post, they hit your YouTube, they're digging it, they're totally drinking the Kool-Aid and they think, oh, this person is awesome. Let me hit a button to spend 30 minutes on the phone with them. That's huge. I'm not going to spend that time with them. This is exciting. They really got into my issues. That's amazing. And now I'm going to say to that person, cool, I will, I will talk to you in about a week after I can send you this proposal. 
think about all the inertia that just got lost, all the energy that just dissipated because they got to wait for you. And so many deals get lost in that time. So many, because something happens, something changes, but mostly it's because it leaves top of mind. So what I did is I took all the data that's being stored, which is just name, company, phone number, interests. It's not some weird Facebooky thing where I know like all kinds of weird, creepy things. It's just the stuff they've shared with me. And I thought, what can I do between that time where I say, this is great. I'm going to send you a proposal. Please give me three or four or five days. So what I have did is I created this custom landing page and I use a tool called Right Message that you and I are familiar with that looks at the content, the data that I have stored inside of Drip, my, my platform, my store, my data store, and it tailors a landing page for them based on their interests. So if they were said they were interested in apples and kiwis and pears, on this page, I'm going to say to them, here is some more information about apples and kiwis and pears that I'm really excited to dive into together. And all it is is a library of my lead magnets and different blog posts that I've written about different topics. But the only things that they see are the things that they've told me they're interested in. And then I load it on the top with their name. So I say, hey, Jason, it's been great to talk to you. I can't wait for our next steps. Thanks for giving me a day or two for this proposal. In the meantime, I curated a few of my favorite things for you so that you could research a little bit and maybe it can be something we talk about in our next conversation. So remember Roger, Roger has no idea how I did this. He doesn't care. He doesn't have the first idea about this stuff. What he thinks, and by the way, the email for that goes out automatically. I'm not touching any of this. Two days after I hit, after I move them in Pipedrive to ready for proposal, they get this email that says, Roger, I'm excited to talk with you. I put a page together for you that I think is really going to be exciting as I work this stuff out. He thinks it's an email from me in that moment. He hits it. He thinks I've gone and labored over this amazing page, greets him by name, because it's a private page. This isn't like, uh, you know, my public website or something. Greets him by name and shows him more things to do. So now while I'm plugging away, he's got blog posts to read. He's got downloads he can hit. He's got things he can. So either the outcomes of this have either been, this is amazing. Thank you. This is so cool. And now that delight is amplified, right? That that thing is escalated so that when Resnick comes in and wants to steal my client, he's going to have to compete with that. He's going to have to compete with somebody who curated, who handcrafted this landing page. But also it puts me in a much better position when they get a proposal that maybe it's a few dollars more than they thought, or maybe it's a bigger engagement than they anticipated. It says to the, to my customer, when I send them this thing that I'm an expert here, I breathe this stuff. I live it. I'm creating content around it because it's important to me. I have experience with it. You're hiring a pro. You're not just kind of some fly by the seat of his pants kind of dude. And if there's negotiation to be had or a little bit of adjustment to be made on their expectations, it's never not worked in my favor for them to say, I'm in the presence of somebody who knows what's up. It's probably worth it for me to whatever, pay a little more or have a bigger engagement or whatever. So it's all around a win for me to just take this automation engine that I built and quickly put a front end on it for my customers so that they're benefiting from my nerdy onboarding process, which was which was a really fun thing for me to sort of have happen. So this whole thing was to save me time and money. And if you go to automatedconsultant.io, there's a calculator right there on the right there on the top of the page. It says, here's how much it's actually costing you to do all these weird little tasks. But then I took all those all the data from that thing that helps me. And I just created something that easily helps my customer. It makes it relevant for them. That is working from the customer backwards, not just solving my problems, but solving their problems at the same time as solving mine. So I'm really excited about it. It's gotten a really fun response. It's really engaging. And it's basically kind of an intro to Zapier. If you don't know Zapier, if you're like an amazing expert at Zapier, this isn't for you. 
But if you're kind of new to automation and new to Zapier, you can take this course and you can follow right along and use exactly my tools, or you can just conceptually get what I'm doing. The idea isn't to necessarily teach you exactly the recipe to bake my cake. It's to say, if you do things like this, you're going to get a pretty tasty cake. You probably should have your own cake that tastes in your own flavor because you got your own thing going on. But let me teach you some of the basics of what I got going on. It's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I, I love it. I went through it and it's funny. The things that I put into the forms, you just kind of reflect it back at, yeah. in the various forms. And it's it's a smart way. It also shows your clients a bit of what their finished product could look like, right? Because you said, I just got off the phone, pushed a button, moved them in pipe drive, and then they get that email, right? So it's could be potentially within a couple of hours or a half hour after you slide that card over, right? And they get that email and now they're like, oh, what? How did this happen? That's right? exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and you know, when you and I talk about this, like we're shrewd. So we're always looking for like, wait, is this automated? Like we always get that. I was on a webinar you were on a, not long ago and somebody, one of the first questions, somebody comes up, they pop, is this live or not? And we're like, yeah, man, this is real. This is live. We're skeptical. We're, we marketers, we're always looking for like, okay, what's really happening? The rest of the world necessarily isn't. So if your target market is like super awesome marketers, then you know already how to deal with that. But if your target is for me, Roger, man, that's just amazing. He's getting these emails that he didn't expect. And he's like, what? So that actually res- it turned into a revenue generator because uh, some of my clients who were consultants, they were like, wow, this is crazy. Can you, because one of the things I did after I built it was I said, do you think this is awesome? Would this solve problems for you? I tried to get some feedback, right? Some real world recon. They were like, this is great. Can you build it for us? Or we've taken it and sort of adapted the, cons- the, the, the philosophies of it, the concepts. We've taken the principles of it and created something completely unique, but that solves a unique problem in delighting their customers. So it's a really fun way to just open your mind. That's, I think, something I always try to encourage anybody that's in an audience that I'm, that I'm engaged with is just like look 15 degrees off of where you're used to looking. There's going to be something there. So for me, I could have stopped after just solving my problem. But if I just look 15 degrees to the left, I can see that I got all this data. Why don't I do something with it? What could that thing be? Where is there a gap or an opportunity? If we can look for those gaps and opportunities in our own business and how we're nurturing our prospects and leads and customers, we're going to find something. I, I was working with a massage therapist and we used automation so that when somebody was onboarding, like filling out their thing, it's it, one of the questions was something like, uh, what kind of music do you like? No music, this kind, this kind, give some examples. And then when they came in, that music was playing. And that's such a small, easy thing. But now consider the next time that person has an opportunity to like go get a massage, are they going to, they're going to go to somewhere, maybe they're on vacation, they're at a resort and they're like, yeah, that was nice. But I really like the way that Resnick already knows the music I like and it was already playing. That's so cool. It's these small things that escalate and personalize and create delight. And that's, I think, where we, if we spend time there, think about these small things, the Rogers, right? How can we how can we really make Roger happy? We're going to find exciting ways to grow our businesses. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and, and it all starts with really understanding Roger, the customer, right? You have to know how they speak, how they act, what their struggles are, what their pain points are. And then you could just, like you said, work backwards. And when Roger comes in, play the music that he likes, right? How easy is that? There's nothing crazy or difficult about that. It's a small gesture that means the world to Roger. Awesome. Well, this has been fantastic, Chris. So before I let you go, what's next? 
Wow, what's next is a great question, Rez. Uh, I'm excited to find out what's next. I've got a couple things cooking at Not Really Rocket Science. One is I've just shifted the consultancy to an agency model, uh, which is really exciting for me. So the work that I do was in demand enough, the creative work where it only made sense to start to bring other people on my team so that we can uh, take on some of those larger projects. That's really exciting for me. At the same time, I've taken some of these things, like I talked about marketing identity, a lot of the principles, I've got kind of a framework for just about every aspect of my business. I call them the five gears to the modern marketing engine. And I've started to break those down and turn those into courses. That's at Not Really Flight School. And so automated consultants is one of those. But if you're a freelance or a consultant or somebody that isn't my Roger, because that's not necessarily my target, but I want you to have these skills. I want you to learn these things, but I know that we're not going to necessarily engage together. You can learn those things. You can hit some of those things. So that's a growing uh, library of courses that I'm building. And I'm really excited to see where that goes over the next whatever year or, or 18 months. And beyond that, it's it's that survivorship bias, right? I'm not a, I'm a, I'm, I don't have any bias yet because I'm not a survivor. I'm figuring it out. I'm in the middle of it. I'm swimming. And sometimes I've got my head underwater, but I'm learning. And uh, and Rez, as you know, from the first time we talked, you're one of my teachers. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the opportunity Thank here you. to come and share time with with your valuable audience of amazing people. And uh, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm just gonna keep on keeping on. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time and thank you for the kind words as well. Where can folks reach out and say thanks? At Chris Bentliff on Twitter and notreallyrocketscience.com and notreallyflightschool.com. And the course we talked about is automatedconsultant.io. There's no way to miss me at any of those places. So uh, I'm easy to be found. And I would love to hear from any of you. I would love, even if you just got questions, you're like, hey man, that was cool. What about this part? I'm here to help. Uh, Hit me up and let's see if we can have a conversation. I would love to just be part of your journey and and part of your success. As I mentioned, Rez is a teacher of mine. That's part of the thing. I think when you get to a place where what you have to say starts to resonate with people, got a little bit of of a positive karma if you're willing to just share that stuff and grow what this community is about of of consultants and freelancers and professionals and soloists and entrepreneurs who are trying to do this thing let's do it together so i would love to hear from you awesome thanks chris for everybody else out there we'll put all of the links in the show notes so definitely head up the website or in your pod catcher of choice you'll see all those links for sure and thanks again chris for your time everyone out there till next time it's your time to live in the feast It's the small things that delight someone that can elevate and grow our business. That's an awesome statement right there to sum up this incredible discussion. Thank you so much for listening to today. If you've enjoyed this episode, then head on over to liveinthefeast.com and subscribe so that you get notified each and every single week we drop a new episode. While you're there, head on over to iTunes and leave Chris and I a five-star rating and review. It will help others find this episode as well. We spoke about how even in a crowded market like web design and development, you could stand out just by doing the little things that delight. Next week, we'll be back with Matt Medeiros talking about specializing your business to the local market. Until then, it's your time to live in the feast. Feast.